Uh, I've been on vacation. My wedding anniversary was uh, on the 21st of September. So took some time off. We went to San Francisco for like five days. It was really nice. Uh, I had not been out west since I was about 15 years old. So I actually got to go out there and do fun things this time. Um, I learned you could smoke weed out there. I don't know if anybody didn't know that, but you can. Hell yeah. Uh, you can actually get away with that. Um, would highly recommend it, actually. Just just judging from this experience. It, it's, it's an experience that I would suggest. So um, anyway, we are back. We do have another episode, another guest episode this time. Uh, if you'll remember, a couple of weeks ago, I had a guest episode lined up with my dear cousin Robert um, to talk about every time I die and some of his very interesting tastes in heavy music. Um, but unfortunately we had some technical errors. So I had to do a solo episode and I finished out my rankings of Every Time I Die's albums, uh, including their debut EP. And, you know, I, I kind of figured this would be something that fans would not really agree with me on, um, but, I feel like you're splitting hairs because I think all of their albums are pretty consistent. So with that being said, our guest for today, this week's episode, uh, is my friend and yours. It's Manny. Hi, Manny. How are you? What up? How's it going? Oh, it's going just fine. Just fine. Um, I think that this will be a really interesting episode. One, because your album picks, um, they were almost entirely new to me. Uh, oh, nice. And if not... You know, if well, I should say that I was familiar with like a couple of them, and one of them I knew very well, and then a couple more I kind of was familiar with, but I hadn't listened to in a really long time. So I had a lot of fun going back to them. Nice. Uh, and then for the Every Time I Die albums, you know, just to get right into it, I guess you were really not familiar with like the majority of their albums, were you? No, I um, like I knew bits and pieces from Gutter Phenomenon the big dirty and new junk aesthetic but like the first album that i i sought out to listen to was x lives and i love x lives spoiler alert um and so from x lives forward is where my uh fandom for lack of a better term with every time i die started and i never really went back like i don't do that a lot with with bands i, I I've, I've learned once um, I learned that I was going to be on for this, uh, for the Every Time I Die episode, because I told you in the DM, I was like, I, I know nothing pre-X-Lives, really. So listening to, you know, full albums uh, was a good experience. And it, it's made me want to go back to other bands that I got into, like, when the new album came out, but never thought to, like, go back to their, like, earlier stuff. So that's that's been a, a fun non-podcast related experience that i've been doing um that's that's pretty cool because that's like part of why i want to do this show yeah um, i want to do this show because i think that you know I, I tweeted about this but like i i like to bring up stuff that is not a part of like the established like metal canon you know that mm -hmm. like the gatekeepers would say is the proper good metal yeah um and so I like to go into things like Every Time I Die, which is recognized as like a good, like hardcore-ish band, but like they're not like your deaths or morbid angels or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I like showing people new things. That's that's sort of like my my love language, if I could use like a really annoying term in this context. <laughs> but 
<laughs> that's one of my favorite things to do is show somebody something that I think they might like. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I had a lot of fun going through um, the, that first little handful of albums. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about them all. Yeah, and, and you know we're gonna we're about to start with that, but I wanted to just make one brief note that you started with X Lives, um, which, you know, I've already talked about it, so it's not like a spoiler alert or anything. But that was my number two album of theirs that I I ranked. That was that came in at number two, um, which kind of surprised me, but I noticed that like all of their albums and what I call their third uh, third era mm-hmm. uh, all made my top five. Um, yeah like lives of course being the first of that era yeah like that 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 four album run x lives parts unknown low teens radical is nuts it's it's kind of it's it's it's, i can't think of another band that churned out um banger 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 like all in a row all like you know with the exception of radical because there's like a what, like a five year gap between low teens and radical. Yeah, five years. But like you know, X Lives 2012, Parts Unknown 2014, Low Teens 2016. So two, like every two years for three years straight, like Death Taxes, Banger, Every Time I Die album. Um, and it's it's not something that even bands that I really like, there aren't very many bands that I can say put out that kind of consistency back to back like that so, so even though i had listened to them like front to back like like i was so excited to listen to x lies after having just finished new junk aesthetic um because in my brain going from new junk aesthetic to x lives is crazy to me yeah, it's a major jump. That's why I'm saying like it's a new era. Yeah, it um, is and nuts. And it's not like a major jump in quality because I think New Junk is a pretty good album. Yeah. Um, so it's not like they went from shit to great, but you know, it's just they they matured like so much in yeah. three years. It was like great right. to a different kind of great, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think they're such an interesting band, and why they I would I do consider them my favorite band is because they were consistently interesting. For their entire career like this is a band that formed in like 98 i want to say something like that um maybe earlier and the fact that they put together a four album run like that late into their career like talking you know 20 years into their career or whatever that's incredible like metal i think is is an interesting genre because you can get some serious longevity out of metal bands um a lot of the bands that i really like in this space are bands who have consistently put out you know banger after banger after banger i talk about black sabbath their first like six albums yeah classic you know mastodon put out like a ton of albums in a row that are great opeth same thing a little up and down but you know still um when i'm talking like my favorite bands it's consistent like that but every time i die is different because there was just a sharp jump multiple points in their career in their maturity um, yeah, big time. And that's what what gets me. So starting uh, chronologically, you know, like I said, we're starting with their debut LP or EP, excuse me, uh, the Burial Plot Bidding War, one that a lot of people have not even heard of. Um, it was one that I listened to when I was in high school, 
and first getting into them. And it's amazing hearing this because it doesn't sound anything at all like the band they would become just a few years after this. Yeah, that album, um, even though I I listened to Last Night in Town, for, because for some reason, I, I guess because um, I listened to, the, to them on Spotify, and Spotify has that first album listed like in their singles, in like an EP, not an LP, so I didn't even see it. Um, so I had already listened to like their, their first two albums. No, I, I I know for sure I had just gotten done listening to Ah uh, to uh, Hot Damn. Um, so I went back to that one, and yeah, that if you would have told me like blindly, I listened to this band, I would not have guessed that that was Keith Buckley. Like I yeah, I would no. not have known that it was him. Not at all. You know, he I think he was the one who showed the most maturity over their career because. Like he really found his voice like halfway through their run. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, um, I. Uh, this one was. Go ahead. Well, I th- I I was surprised because um, one of the albums that we're going to talk about from my list, I was surprised at, at how much it reminded me of that album and other bands from that same time period that were releasing music in this like really chaotic, like spiky, like, like almost grindcore little subsection of like metalcore that were just making this like this abrasive ass music. And I had never um, put every time I die in that category. Cause like I said, I started with X lies, which is more like heavy hardcore punk than anything else so for them to be like this like grimy like very like pit heavy like gritty as shit yeah like it was surprising in um a good way so i had a great time with burial plot bidding war and a fun thing that i did for this podcast i took made note of what my favorite song was from each album and uh from burial plot it's prom song really I really mine like Prom Song. Mine is Morphine Season. Um, yeah. There's just a part in that where they break into this, like, almost like, you know, like, I don't want to call it like a deftone sound, but it, it's really like this shimmery sort of guitar, like, open strumming kind of thing. And then Keith's doing some clean vocals, which he didn't do really very much until Hot Damn. Um, but it just really was like a major change of pace for me. But Prom song is good. Yeah. It's just interesting that you came away with a different one. Yeah, I really like prom song. Um and yeah, like I don't really have much else to say about that one besides I was I really liked it. Was very surprised at how heavy it was. Um they could have put that any song from that album on the first Underworld soundtrack and it would have fit like a glove. So which is high praise. <laughs> That's a compliment. Okay, those, okay. those those soundtracks banged, so um I'm pretty sure Dillinger was on that first soundtrack. Oh, now I'm interested. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. Well, I think that first Underworld soundtrack point. had some had some some heaters on it for sure. But yeah, this was um, to trans. You know, to oh, this was my number nine. By the way, I'm going to give you my rankings as I go. But okay, my number nine out of ten. Um, that makes sense. But just as a, a bridge to the next one, their first LP, Last Night in Town. I will say that these two are 
the clearest examples of the fact that they came out of that like second wave of metalcore mm -hmm. um where they clearly listened to a lot of like botch and cave in and like converge and like the early early dillinger escape plan you can hear that really clearly uh in both burial plot anymore and last night in town which i think last night in town was kind of just them taking that burial plot bidding more sound and just giving it the occasional groove um yeah that makes when i thought back on it i didn't think of it as an album with any like real grooves you know where you could really sink into and like mosh to um but i was wrong man like this one kind of slams yeah it really does um out of the gate too like emergency broadcast syndrome is a hell of an intro hell of a first track i i, I remember it specifically I settled in. I, I'm pretty. I'm. I was playing Death Stranding, which is the most chill game you could you could play. And I had this playing through Spotify on there, and I got startled at how quick that that track kicks in. Um, yeah, they open with that sample from the movie Seven, mm -hmm. which I think it's interesting. I think that's like the only thing they ever sampled, but it's a hell of a way to start the album. Great sample. When it's Alcrow saying, I hate this city, <laughs> screeching in your ear. Yeah, uh, so that was that was a wonderful little oh, surprise. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I feel about this the same as I did about Burial Plot. Surprised at how heavy it was. Um, you could have convinced me that, that this was not every time I die, but, um, and again, I came back to other albums that I would listen to later on, and not even longer after this, this came out in 2001, about like six or seven years later, I would say is when I was really starting to like get into heavy music, and it's funny because a lot of bands sounded like this but they were doing this in like 2001. I wasn't even in high school yet when they were cranking this out. Um, yeah, the sound of like, you know, some of your picks too um, were bands that were kind of hitting their stride at the same time. But like, you know, I'm, I'm a little younger than you. So when I was in like middle school, high school was when this sound got really popular, mm -hmm. you know, like the late 2000s-ish was around when this was really hitting and when you go back and listen to this you're like holy shit these guys really were that influential that yeah. at the time so, like yeah, i know what you mean yeah they were they were definitely uh, a vanguard i would say of that sound and even though they left it like i would i would not be surprised if more people kind of see them at least from these first two albums as like the bedrock of what a lot of bands would kind of like build their career on because a lot of bands are still sounding like this yeah shit see you space cowboy like they they explicitly say that they kind of modeled most of their sound off of hot damn yeah and you can hear it i mean hell they had keith buckley on their latest album oh yeah um, and this is a new band yeah but it it's it's a banger favorite track from this one is the logic of crocodiles with howard jones that's right as soon as I heard it, the suit, I was like, well, that's a wrap, that this is it. Because yep. I was like, oh, look, look, a lot of these songs are pretty good. You can't put Howard Jones on, on, on a song and expect me to not fucking love it. Um, <laughs> like, it's a great song on its own, but man, 
I picks it up. I picks it up. I, I could have jumped into space when he came in. Good lord, it was that was such a pleasant surprise. Oh man, the pro Howard Jones podcast. Very, 100%. very pro Howard Jones podcast. Uh, um, but yeah, my favorite track on this album uh, was actually "Nothing Dreadful Ever Happens" uh, for the same reason as "Morphine Season" because I feel like the early. Okay, so I think sometimes production quality that is shitty actually makes for a more interesting song sometimes. Um, that's why I like like that Memphis horror core rap of like the early mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I like black metal because they kind of intentionally made it sound a little shitty because it makes it a little bit more I don't know, it almost sounds mysterious, you know. Does that make yeah. any sense? Because you can't fully make it out. Um, but I feel like nothing dreadful ever happens. And one of my favorite songs on the next album, they both have this weird quality of feeling very kind of spacey. And when the, the clean vocals kick in, it's such a jarring change that I I don't know, it really sticks out in my mind. So, um, next up we have, um, by one of my top three albums actually. Uh, because Last Night in Town was all the way down at number eight. I put it just one spot above Burial Plot. Um, But one of my top three albums, and a lot of people consider their best album, uh, their second LP, Hot Damn. So I remember you you posting on Instagram uh, that you were listening to Floater on Spotify, and you tagged me in it. Uh, basically, like I understand now. Yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I was that the hook for you? That was um, because, like I said, had never listened to it before, um, and even even prior to you and I becoming friends, I I'd seen the album mentioned a lot, a lot of best of lists. I've seen a lot of you know people ranking band discographies, people listing what their favorite albums were. So I the name was always like been familiar. I've just never listened to it. Um, so imagine my, and I, I remember it's you mentioning that, okay, well I got, you know, drag the lake from this song. And when I saw it was on here, I was like, okay, well that's more of a reason to at the very least to get to floater. And then I got to floater and I was like, well, shit, this is incredible. This is a great album. Um, like, made me appreciate one of my picks a lot more than I already did. Um, and we, we, we may be thinking about the same one, but... Um, I'm thinking about two, actually, because I want to say two of your... Did two of your albums come out in 2003? Yeah, close. Yeah. They're, they're pretty close together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, this was concurrent then. So, like, two of your picks were of the same... Uh, they were of the same like graduating class pretty much yeah hot damn mm-hmm. and you can tell yeah you can hear it. yeah so, so it, that was a very very pleasant surprise um you know floater being my favorite track from this i it took me a while to when i the day i listened to it it took me a bit to get to the last four tracks i just kept i kept running floater back that song oh, yeah it it's it sinks its way in and it's kinda hard to not want to hear it five times after you've already heard it six times. Like yeah. it, it's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my floater, Ebola Rama, 
um, off Broadway, like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fucking like great shit from them. Um, and it's so funny because like I'm looking at like 2003, like I, what was I listening to in 2000? I was I was listening to like, uh, funny little tidbit about me, I. I didn't really listen to music with like intentions until I was out of high school. Like prior to me graduating high school and being on my own, I, a lot of music that I listened to with two exceptions, those two exceptions being on my list, um, being just like stuff that's on the radio, stuff that was on Madden 2004 soundtrack, like, just stuff that was already a part of something else. Like I didn't really go out of my way to um, like find music. Like if I heard something and it sounded good, you know, I would put it on like a mix CD or something. But as far as like going out looking for albums to buy, I wasn't doing that. And when I was listening to this, oh, like, this sounds so much like spoiler. It's just like, what, like I would have, I would have killed to have had this album in my repertoire in 2003 because I would probably be a, like farther further along in like my musical taste than I am now like I got here eventually but I would have gotten here much sooner had I been uh in an area where like I would have come across this album naturally because I was not growing up in New Orleans Louisiana you know what I'm saying um yeah but yeah it's 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 fantastic it, it's i i agree with your ranking big time like it definitely deserves like a top a top five spot yeah it's it's my number three um my favorite track is she's my rushmore um like i said in this first era because this is the last album of their first era in my opinion like that real honest to god metalcore sound like the metalcore sound this was the last one they did with that um and like the first two, I like the songs that kind of switch it up and go into this different, slowed down, clean vocal, um, almost like a romantic kind of sound. Yeah. Because um, it's it's just such a jarring change, and I, I really find that enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was surprised okay. to to see that he had gotten there so early, too. Yeah. Like 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 messing with like just like like a lot of clean vocals, more harmonies, that type of deal. Wes Anderson references, you know. Um, but yeah, so that was, yeah, that's good. That's a good one too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so now on to the next one. Um, Gutter Phenomenon, you said you kind of knew a little bit from this. This was my introduction to them. Uh, they had uh, a new black mm -hmm. everywhere. It was on Guitar Hero, for God's sake. That's the first place I remember hearing so it. This was, yeah. It was on it, Guitar Hero. It was mm -hmm. a bonus track. Yep. And so I, I really, actually don't like this album. That Me neither. I'm glad you said it first because I, uh, I, I had a hard time getting through this. It sounds so plastic. Like it just too too many songs on here just sound like what's the word I'm looking for? Like bait. You know, like, like bait. Yeah, it sounds very two thousand six. Yeah, it it like I like there's some like you know like I don't hate the new black. Um, like I don't hate 
apocalypse now and then um but yeah like i remember getting to the end of it and like not having much to say aside like this is weird to listen to after those first three albums like how did you go from this to this like what was the driving force that what was the creative process like when you decide to go from like floater to like <laughs> guitar and feathered you know what i'm saying like but yeah and, and i mean to me it, it sounds like they're most uh they really wanted to go more commercial with this uh a lot of people jumped off the bandwagon because it seemed like such a clear bait album uh yeah this is a hot topic ass album, album they ever did yeah it yes yeah this they, is this is a, this is a sum everything up that yeah like that's because i yeah because i i remember uh jumping ahead a bit but i remember i feel like these three albums were like very hot topic-y albums um like like the up like like like, like new junk and big dirty not as much as gutter phenomenon but boy gutter phenomenon is like buy a t-shirt get the out get the cd for 15 dollars at hot topic today kind of shit um it was surprising to say the least because i know it's jarring i know listen chronologically a lot of people who love this album and after hearing it, I'm like, have they not heard Hot Damn? Have they not heard Last Night in Town? Because that's the only logical conclusion I would come to. Because like, if that's like the first time you hear them, it's like the new black, then sure. But if you had heard anything before that, the new black sounds foreign, almost. Yeah. It's crazy. And And this is an interesting one because there are actually single songs on this album that I go back to pretty regularly. Like I listen to the new black a lot. It's nostalgic, but also I just think it's a pretty decent song. Um, I go back to kill the music um, and I go back to pretty dirty, which closes out the album. Um, but I never, ever listen to the whole album like in one sitting. Yeah. It's goddamn it, that, it, that gets tiring. It's a lot. That is the longest 35 minutes that I spent with an album was that one i was like went like that motherfucker felt long as hell but there's some there's some there's there's some gems on it like there's some 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 that i do like like i do like kill the music i like board stiff um but yeah that's definitely one where like like you you pick a few songs from it put it in a playlist and just like forget about the rest yeah pretty much yeah. And that's why it's my number 10. Yeah. Oh, um, very fitting. Very so, fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on to what is actually my number six album, which surprised me that it was so low because this, it's weird. I think that it's not, it's not one of their best albums, but it might be my favorite of their albums. Um, and that could be nostalgia because this was the first whole album of theirs I had heard. Like this was the one, the first one I went out and bought the CD mm-hmm. for. Um, and that's the Big Dirty. Uh, the Big Dirty is another one sort of like Hot Damn where like, you know, even if the album itself is not the one that people think about as much, it is the one that has some of their most iconic songs, you know, like Werewolf, uh, Pigs is Pigs, No Son of Mine, like those are staples in their live shows. You know, if you saw them live before they broke up, rest in peace, um, you were going to hear those songs. And I think they played at least two of those at both of the shows that I went to for them. 
Yeah. So what was your reaction to this album? Um, I remember vividly going to a show at Rocket Town in New Orleans, and I saw Every Time I Die live, and this album had just come out. So I remember being there. So they were playing a lot of stuff from this um, Gutter Phenomenon. And they and like in hindsight, they probably played some stuff from like Hot Damn, uh, sprinkled in there. Um, so I remember hearing some of these songs live. Like I, I remember for sure hearing like Werewolf, Werewolf live. Um, so, uh, but aside from that experience, I don't have, I didn't have, this was like my, my first time like going into it because after, after the phenomenon, I wasn't really looking for every time I die. Like they happened to be on the show that I was like, I, I, I was going to see, I'm pretty sure that was that show. I was going to see Norma Jean and they were, they were supporting them at the time. So that's who I was there for. Um, so this was a, a first listen. I did like it. Favorite song for this one is Rendezvous. Do. Um, good choice. Yeah. Uh, but I, good choice. I, I definitely hear a little bit of what would come later on this album. I feel like it, it took them a bit to really like solidify some of the ideas that they had on here musically, but they definitely tried some stuff that would end up sticking. So it, it made for a, a pretty solid listen, honestly. Like I, uh, I'm i pretty sure after I went through it the first time, I ran it back again. Um, and it's the only one, the only album I did that with, like, like, like four, like four album back to back. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's solid. That's what, that's what I'll say. It, it, it's very solid and a massive step up from Gutter Phenomenon. And it's wild that they're like a year apart. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember reading interviews from them about this album, like way back, like maybe like right after the album came out, actually. Uh, and them saying that this was the album and you can hear it. I really think that this is a, a sharp line uh, for them in their development that this was the album when they said, screw it, we're going to do our own thing here. Like, we're not right. going to think about other bands that are popular at the time. We're not going to think about the trends or anything. We're just going to make the album we want to make. Um, and you can hear it. Like, they talked about how they're all big fans of classic rock, like 70s rock. Uh, and you can hear some of that on this album that you didn't hear before. Um, I think specifically songs like In Rehab, which is my favorite song on the album. That's a good uh, one too. You can really hear it, like Werewolf, Rendezvous, all of those, you sound, you hear it. But it also has some of their heaviest shit, like uh, Gentleman's Sport and Cities and Years. Those breakdowns are heavy as shit. Oh, yeah. And they don't sound like they should be on this album. Um, this album being after gutter phenomenon reminded me of he is legends first two big albums the, the big two albums because i'm hollywood is a great album listeners if you haven't listened to i'm hollywood by he is legend you should do that um and then set off the poison comes out which is very divisive um I, a lot of people jumped off of them because it's not as heavy as I Am Hollywood. They definitely leaned into like a more like Southern metal vibe for a bit. Um, Schaller doesn't like scream as much because like his voice was going away because <laughs> he was a smoker. 
So he had to like kind of like lean away from that to do more like raspy harmonies and the music video for um uh I, I think it's I think it's a video for um Attack of the Dungeon Witch is like their response to all the criticism that fans gave them because they were like, Well, I am Hollywood was so good, what the hell is this? And it was them going, This is he is legend now. So it's cool. Uh and that album came out um um Suck Out the Poison came out the year Gunner Phenomenon came out. So it's funny that like a year later, you know, every time I die, they release um the Big Dirty and that's them kind of like also being like, hey, this is what, what we're doing. Hang out if you want to hang out. Or, you know, so it, it's funny like realizing how many bands were existing at the same time in the same spaces. Cause um listening to it in a vacuum, you would assume that like one was like way further along than the other one. But so it's funny how like both those um scenarios of a band telling their fans like this is where our creativity is bringing us happened like a year apart from each other basically yeah and you know another thing that i've really enjoyed about doing this show is that i'm starting to pick up on the historical ebb and flow in this kind of music yeah and i always say that like you know there's a dialectic between innovation and entrenchment where you have this time when people are trying new things, experimenting and doing all kinds of different, like going down different paths. And then there's an, then there's a part where they found something and they narrow in and really entrench themselves in a certain sound um, and kind of hone it. And I think this was the one where they started to entrench. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And you're right. Like a lot of bands were doing it at this time. Um, so that brings us to our next one. Um, which is my number seven. I put it um, just below the Big Dirty, which is New Junk Aesthetic. Now, a lot of people actually have this as like their number one. I've heard a lot of people say that, that this is the best one they did. And I think it's because this was the last of their quote unquote hot topic era. <laughs> this yeah. is their, the end of their second era as, I, as I've sort of divided them. Um, and it's kind of the apotheosis of that sound, which makes it less interesting to me than the Big Dirty, um, because they kind of already did that, but they just do it a little bit more tight. Yeah. Like, this was a much more tight album than the Big Dirty. Yeah. I, think. There, I don't know if you had that same reaction. Yeah, there aren't as many, like, strands, like, just, like, in the wind. Like, it's like a perfect knot of a sound, pretty much. Um, and... I I do remember specifically, by the way, a T-shirt with that album art being sold at Hot Topic. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I it was it was a popular shirt. Yeah, uh, but uh, I I don't I don't really know if I like it more than the Big Dirty, but I will say that I really like Wanderlust. Like I really like Wanderlust, uh, and that kicks so much. Out. That you know, uh, to talk about completely different um, um, form of media. Uh, one of my favorites, um, you know, when when because I, I you know like we both watch movies, we both like movies, and one of my favorite things when I watch a movie is like 
to like you need to sell me on why this movie exists like you need to like what's gonna make me go okay like i i'm on board i get it you have sold me on this movie existing um that was wanderlust for me like that song was like kind of justified this album existing like even though like i don't feel too strongly about a lot of other stuff on here with the exception of like after one quarter of revolution i think it's pretty it's pretty cool I think Roman Holiday is a great opener, but Wanderlust being like damn near smack dab in the middle of the album, it's like, all right, like, all right, like if, if, if all this had to exist for Wanderlust to be in every time I die song, I'm okay with it. Uh, but I do think that it isn't as interesting as the big dirty because it does sound like like you said, the big dirty, like plus one, like it's a little better, it's a little cleaner, it's less like chaotic, but that just makes it less fun in a lot of ways too. Yeah, so Wanderlust is is pretty widely considered one of their best songs. I actually like White Smoke more. Like it's not even my favorite song on the album, um, but it it is clear that this was like them like hey this is who we are yeah like this is this is setting the tone this is setting the standard for everything we're going to do after this and i think you do hear some of that um especially that last like minute of wanderlust is some of the best shit they ever wrote um and i think they carried some of that energy to their next album your first album and Mm -hmm. like a real fan of theirs and my number two album uh of theirs on my rankings x lives shocked that this was my number two because like this was not an album that i really went back to for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um i think i just kind of like drifted away from them for a little while when this came out um but my god yeah back and listening to it all the way through this is a damn good album every staple that i would come to love about every time i die is on this album like really crushing songs some some like Keith Buckley crooning um, on a song like like straight through. Um, I, I would always joke um, with my friends um, that I've always had that uh, Adam Cole should have come out to revival mode one time, one time, like uh, because that is such like a, a walkabout song for a pro wrestler. Um, but yeah, like yeah, so so. The first song I ever heard from this was Typical Miracle, which... Interesting. Yeah, that was the first song I'd ever heard from from this album. And I'm pretty sure I only know about it because of Ryan. Like, I'm pretty sure... Really? I'm pretty sure Ryan... Yeah, I mean, those Tumblr days yeah. opened up a lot of music for all of us. Oh, yeah. So, and I, I'm pretty sure he shared it. And um, so I listened to it. Oh, every time I die. Okay. And I was like what because in my, in my brain the last album was like okay dude took aesthetic okay but this was like is are you sure this is every time i die he was like yeah i was like god damn this is nuts and that whole album is nuts i mean i can't it's hard for me to even pick a favorite because every song on here is a heater um but just in terms yeah, of just when you think they've hit a peak yeah found another one yeah you know, like just when you've heard like 
drag king or partying is the sweet such sweet sorrow you get to the end and it's indian giver and you're like what the fuck like i thought you guys already gave us the best stuff and then you close out with this like they they really found a way to ramp it up in their song sequencing yeah um and i, and I feel like every song is exactly where it should be on the album um it starts off really hot and you, you come down with revival mode and you think oh this is the end this is the last song nope drag king right after that and you are just back on you can drag across concrete for like four like six more tracks uh but yeah no notes great album um i this is the one that i i run this album back pretty regularly so i was excited to get to it even though like in my brain I'm like i've listened to this album front to back a thousand times but it's never a bad experience uh giving it another listen like it is the best 40 minutes you can spend listening to to music um just because I'm glad of, you got that react. yeah uh like holy book of dilemma the funniest song I've ever heard in my life. Just just hearing Keith Bowie sing about bugs, like yeah. Uh but yeah, fantastic. No notes, great album. Um, very fond memories of being blown away by this the first time I heard it. And like knowing that like, okay, everything that these guys do now, I'm I'm going to be on board for because this is fucking incredible. It still is. And that brings us to uh, my number five, actually, uh, it was below every other album in this era, and that's mainly because there aren't like a lot of high points to it, I guess. It's a pretty steady listen all the way through. I think it's kind of the New Junk aesthetic of their last okay. era. Okay, I'm glad you said that. Unknown. I'm glad like, you said that. Yeah. Because when I was listening to them, I was like, if you remove X Lives and go from new junk aesthetic straight into parts unknown that transition makes perfect sense yeah it, but it's a it like new junk aesthetic i feel like it's a solid b b plus all the way through yeah like um, it's less interesting than a lot of the other things around it but it it is also one of their more consistent albums i think yeah and, and i remember um forgetting about not, not forgetting about parts unknown i was like wait where did this come come out because in my brain, I was like, okay, so it's New Junk, Parts Unknown, X Lives, right? No, X Lives being smack dab in the middle of those two albums is crazy to me. Um, I will say, though, my favorite <laughs> Every Time I Die song is on this album. What is it? Because we might be thinking of the same thing. It's more. Oh, oh yeah. 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 That, that's See, like, that's, yeah. That's, that's a top three one, at least. Yeah. For me. Like, so I definitely probably the one i've gone back to the most yeah like i i remember listening to the album the first time and getting floored by by that track um the the only other song on this album that i um revisit a lot is um old light but yeah it's, it, it's solid it's fine um uh, there aren't very many reasons to go back to it start to finish but there are some bands wish that they had a, a an album as consistent as this one. I feel like, yeah, 
and especially so late in their career. Um, like I said, you know, the, the fact that they were able to put something together like this deep into their career is really special. Um, but if you don't mind, I'd like to skip ahead to what was my number one album of theirs, uh, 2016's Low Teens. Um, this one is the one that, you know, so whenever I listen to music, and I mentioned this on the show plenty of times, like what I want out of an album, what I want out of a band is for them to take me somewhere. Um, I want them to tie a consistent theme into one work, uh, one album. And I think that this was the one that they did it the most. I mean, this was written about Keith's um, daughter, the birth of his daughter, because of the complications with the pregnancy. Like, I think at one point he almost lost his wife at the time and the, the child during childbirth. Oh, wow. Um, and you can tell that he was in that place throughout the entire album. And it's extremely affecting. And I think this was at his best. This was him at his best as a vocalist and as a lyricist. So I think really he carried this album to the top spot. But, you know, it, did this come up, did, did this come out on top of X Lives for you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I would say that, like, um, as much of a... Um, a slap in the face in a good way that X Lives was, even though um, my favorite every time I die song is on Parts Unknown. I can't think of a better every time I die album than um, Low Teens. Um, like I said, it has a a narrative through line from the very beginning. Um, you could tell that Keith is really like putting a lot of emotions on his sleeve. And kind of like taking us along with him has some of their their catchiest riffs, I would say. Some of their catchiest songs, like um, like off the top of my head, um, I love, I love glitches. I love see um, love will get you killed. Um, like I even love that fucking random ass <laughs> Brendan Urie feature. Um, it remembers, um, banger. Oh, that fucking rules. That song that, kicks so it, much. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't kick ass, but it fucking does. And it kicks ass because, like, you, uh, I remember. I remember the video for that specifically. Uh, was the first time I'd heard it, and I was just surprised. I got jump scared by fucking Brendan Yuri. Like, what are you doing here? Um, but he 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 killed it. Um, fucking, you know, my the the song that was my namesake for a little bit. Um, Risen to Speed. Um, fucking banger, map change, the most depressing song I've ever heard in my entire life. But I, it's beautiful. It's actually my favorite of there. It's 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 map change is my number one for them. Rightfully so. It's a beautiful song. Um, another one with a great music video, and and yeah, this this one, um, this feels like the natural response to a song like more, because um, more was definitely about um i don't know the full context behind it but you know i know it, it was about an event that happened in keith in keith's life um i don't know if he's ever like talked about it in earnest but um he actually has he has okay uh, yeah i, I don't yeah, know the I, uh, the details for what inspired that song but um for more uh it was actually written it sounds like it was written about somebody being assaulted yeah, like, that's what I. To me, it always sounded like 
Um, but actually what it was is that his wife at the time had been mugged at gunpoint. Um, and apparently there was like a streak of muggings going around in Buffalo when that song was written. And I think he was like on tour when it happened. So mm. that was him sort of dealing with the fact that he couldn't be there when somebody that he loved was being threatened. So, yeah, that, yeah, that, that tracks, uh, but yeah, but a lot of, um, low teams feels like, 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 honestly, you put more on low teams and it's a beyond perfect album. You can, I think you can slot more anywhere on here and it would fit like a glove. Um, so that was my favorite thing of going from that from um, um, Parts Unknown to this is like the through line from a whole different album making its way on here. And but in every single track, like I think every song on here has like a standout lyric in it, like even more so than their other albums. And Keith's always been a great lyricist. So like he's like even on albums that I don't even on like Gunner Phenomenon he has some like some good singers on there too, but he is at his peak on low teams. Um, and then another um, another song from uh, a prior album that I think would work really well um, on low teams is um, Old Light from parts from uh, from Parts Unknown. That's another one that yeah that really stood out to me on that album too. But yeah, I low teens is just, it's almost like, even though radical exists and I like that album, I I'm thinking about a world where like low teens is like the last one. Cause like what a way to go out. If that was the case, it, it feels like a last album. Yeah, it really does. It, it like it just feels like them like here's everything we poured everything out this is everything we have emotionally we're done yeah you know, that's what this album feels like and that's why like you said radical coming out was so kind of jarring because it's been five years mm-hmm. um and also because this just felt like the logical place to end but yeah. then 2020 happened um oh did it happen and, yeah so you know we in 2016 was when low teens came out so that means that they didn't write about the year 2016 on that album. Uh, and of course, that being the election of Trump and uh, like the rise of a lot of like white supremacists coming out of the woodwork. Um, you know, you had the ban on immigrants, all sorts of restrictive things going on politically um, that charged a lot of people up, myself included. Um, and then, of course, you know, in my city, um, we had one of the highest profile cases of police brutality um, in recent memory, and there's been a lot of them, but that was the Breonna Taylor case yeah. here in Louisville um, that I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably know something about it because it was all over the news. It's still in the news. It's you know, still ongoing. Um, I was out of protests all the time in my city. Like, the, you know, this was, there were sirens going off constantly. A lot of people I knew went to jail. I went to jail. Um you know, and then this album coming out the year after 2020, coming through COVID and coming through all of the, you know, civil unrest, and of course the Trump years, uh, it's kind of like it, it kind of felt like them dusting things off. Like, okay, we we kind of have to write about this. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It, it feels more like a statement album. It's like them reminding people that like 
don't forget where we stand on all of this um kind of deal which i do appreciate like i do like um i do like radical there's some there's some heaters on here too um you know you bring in my man andy hall from manchester orchestra to a track i'm gonna love it um but yeah it's just the entire time i also um 68 is on this album and so shout out to josh Logan. i always love to hear from him um a band who in high in retrospect definitely inspired by early every time i die um and they, the chariot feels like like the logical um sound evolution from like um like hot damn and burial plot um and last night in town like those two albums like you you hear that all throughout the chariots discography even up to their their final album one wing but yeah um all i really took from radical was um more broad than than personal like there's some personal tracks on here for sure like um like um thing with feathers which is a beautiful song um but yeah very good um thing with feathers yeah um but beautiful song yeah beautiful song great video but yeah it just kind of feels like um like them letting everyone get their frustrations out over all the bullshit that had gone on in between low teens and radical coming out and that makes it a welcome album into their discography for sure but Low teens is just so fucking good, man. Like, it's it's yeah. Everything they've done up to this point that it's my number four of their albums, which says a lot because I really like this album. Yeah. Um, but I just couldn't justify putting it over the ones that I, I put it put ahead of it. Um, again, that says a lot. But you know, I think that this was an album that needed to happen for a lot of reasons. Uh, but it does feel weird that it is the end for them. Yeah. Because as you said, like a lot of their subject matter is a lot more broad on this album than it was before. Um, one one reason why I love this band, one reason why I love Keith Buckley is that a lot of his own things that he writes about in his personal life and his own emotional life are things that I can really relate to. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he didn't really get into a lot of those personal things in this album is what put it down the list a little bit for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely uh agree that there is less of like his personal feelings about things like a lot of the opinions stated on the album are very much like yeah okay yeah absolutely kind of stuff not like you know i didn't i didn't come away with it learning anything about keith that i didn't already know which became like part of the enjoyment of listening to every time i die especially during this this re-listen like you know, even from the beginning, like hearing the little tidbits of Keith as a person come out all the way up to Low Teens and Radical was very fun. And there isn't enough of that on Radical. So despite it being good, um, I haven't gone back to it. This is this is the first time I've gone back to it in full um, in a while, uh, which was fun. Um, but yeah, great album, just not... Uh, it's hard to top low teens. It really is. It it can't it can't come up no. against low teens. That's for sure. Absolutely not. Um, 
Okay, so we have run really long on this. So <laughs> I'm sorry if I dragged out uh, getting to your album. Pick, oh, no. But, um, it's all know, good. D- dear listener, uh, if you want to take a breather, now is the time to do it. Um, because we are about to get into Manny's album choices. And I'm very excited for this. So, okay. So, Manny, your picks. Um, I thought these were really interesting. And I'm glad, actually, that I was going back through Every Time I Die yet again. This will be my third straight episode. And I'm probably going to do another one where I talk about my picks. Because um, I need to re-record with Robert um, to talk about him. Because I know he wants to talk about him. He has Every Time I Die tattoos, uh, as I do. Nice. Um, but, you know, I think that we should start with sort of the odd man out here um in your choices the album that i was really excited to see you put on here because it's one that i haven't listened to in forever uh but it doesn't sound like anything else that you pick so can you tell me why you selected slipknot volume three yes um like i mentioned a bit earlier i um was nearing the end of my high school career for lack of a better term before I had kind of started to like be interested in in music besides just being like a thing that was on sometimes you know um not to say that I never heard music before um but um I remember seeing the video well I'll say this I was familiar with I knew who Slipknot was like I was familiar with Slipknot, um, and I remember, <laughs> I remember just being like, "Those dudes freak me out. I'm not gonna listen to this. Like I'm not gonna fucking like it." Um, and I remember just kind of like writing them off purely based off of aesthetics alone, um, because at the time I wasn't listening to, to a lot of like really heavy stuff at all. Um, but I, in hindsight. I didn't know that I even liked heavy stuff back then. Um, and I remember the music video for Duality had just come out. And it, and I saw it was Slipknot, but I was just very transfixed by it. Uh, at, at the time, it didn't sound like anything else that I had been listening to. And it was structured so well. Like, Corey's voice sounded amazing. I was surprised at, like, the hip-hop influences and, his and like, how he um, went about um, singing the lyrics. And when it got heavy, it still wasn't, like, beat you over the head. Kind of, It was, like, a sorrowful kind of heavy. It was, like, like a melodic kind of heavy. And like it just kind of made me sit straight up and this is one of the very first albums i went out and bought and i must have back to front on the way to school on the way home from school doing my homework like this album was like a mainstay of mine for a long time and it's still one of my favorite albums of all time and it definitely it, it is the odd man out um across my picks, but I think it speaks to how much more willing I am to listen to something 
to, to give something a, a chance. You know, because I just took a gamble with 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 this album. You know, based off of like one song, and I love all of it. Um, it's my favorite Slipknot album, um, mainly because it's like, like I don't know where I would be in terms of like what I like musically if I had never went out and got this album specifically. Every song on here bangs. The blister exists. Greatest, amazing, fucking amazing. Um, and that's a standout for me. Yeah, like, um, like even like something like Danger Keep Away at the very end of the album, and I, I would come to learn that like this is not unique for Slipknot. Like they are like a heavy band, but they're also a band with a lot of like emotion behind what they say and how they present themselves. Like yes, like they wear very cool Halloween Horror Nights masks when they perform on stage. But despite their appearance, despite what you think they would sound like, what they would sing about, like fucking Vermillion is on this album, both parts, um, you know. Um, and then you have like... Acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Slipknot. And just, you know... Um, and then like like fun songs like the nameless, just just a fun song, like like I, in a lot of ways this is gonna sound wild. In a lot of ways, if I did not like this album, I probably would not like Ghost. Yeah, no, that okay. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because one, I've been listening to Ghost a lot lately um, because they're probably the catchiest band I've ever heard in my life. Um, Impossible to not group to it. Apart from the... Oh, such a group. Um, but, like, I think that the thing that I picked out as a consistent theme in your uh, picks, because that's really what I'm trying to do here whenever I ask people to give me picks, I always try to pick out something that I might learn about that person, not just in, you know, their taste, but also just as a person. Um, and I think, like Ghost, a lot of your albums that you chose are trying to be kind of epic in a way like there's a grandeur to a lot of what these bands are doing and i think that's most obvious with slipknot their their whole thing is being um a bit of a, a an experience you know they're, yeah. they're they're a whole package kind of experience you want to see them you want to hear them you want to be in the crowd you know it's the whole thing um and this album was interesting to me because I think this is when they realized that they could be like a grand kind of band, uh, a big band. Yeah, um, I see that. Whereas their, yeah, like their first two albums had a wildness to them that I don't think this has, but I think that's because they actually started composing songs here. Like this, this feels like a composition. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, I I'm I'm familiar with Corey's I'm um, Stone Sour stuff. And some of his other solo stuff, and like knowing how he writes on his own, I'm not surprised that they that they ended up here because clearly that was always there. But I feel like this could not have been the first album, you know. Like they had to do Iowa, um, and build up to this, and um, I think just from that 
perspective alone, it makes it even better because it's like this is it sounds like the album they always wanted to make, but they weren't ready to make it yet. They had to like really like, you know, kind of like run some laps first and you know, get some reps in, get some tours in, figure out, you know, like creatively where they wanted to go. And I think they landed on a great spot with with Spin Versus, you know. Um Goddamn. What a what an album, man. What an album. What a fucking album. I mean, really. No notes you know, again. But... That... <laughs> yeah, I mean I know what you mean and and I think that one thing that I picked out from this that is really present through their entire career, but like you said, like they couldn't really get this until they'd gone through their debut album and through Iowa. Um, but they really have this gothic quality to them. And I mean that in like the artistic sense that there is a real like melancholy, emotional tinge to everything they do uh, that I don't think they were mature enough to do on their first two albums. But on this one, I think they really nailed that melancholy, you know, frankly, kind of almost like a high school level of, <laughs> yeah. you know, longing and, you know, feeling left out and left behind. Um, and I think they really captured it more on this album than their first two, even if I kind of prefer their first two to this one. Yeah, like, if, if Ghost is, like, Baroque, architecture slipknot is brutalist because it looks really fucked up and it looks like it shouldn't work but it's it works very well it's very functional and it will get you where you need to go and i i like how i'm really glad that that the the, the grandeur from volume three has like carried over big time in all of their subsequent releases. Um, great, great album. Just changed my musical life when it came out in 04, big time. Yeah, I forget this came out in 04 because honestly, it doesn't sound like it. No, it, it's... I it's... think that their first two albums, their first two albums were very much of the time. You know what I mean? Like, you can hear them and be like, oh yeah, this is around like 1999 to 2001. Like, yeah. you can tell. This one, as you said, kind of became the blueprint for the rest of their career, um, which is also probably why I don't like it as much as the first two, because I actually kind of fell off of my fandom um, right after this album came out. Like, they they really started to go into more of this, um, I don't know, like, grander but yet melancholy sound, and I yeah. liked the, the wildness and the craziness that their first two more. But... I can see how this would be so important to somebody. I yeah, hear it for sure. Yeah, it it it's has a really great, great through line to it for sure. Yes. Um. So if we don't have anything else on that one, nope. I want to get to uh, a couple of picks here that I mentioned, you know, earlier in the show. Would be sort of good tie-ins for every time I die. Um, and we'll start with Thrice, the artist in Ambulance, um, 2003, mm -hmm. you know, same year as Hot Damn. And frankly, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a 2003 ass album. It, it, 
that's when just started singing on my phone. Um, shout out to the, um, the Madden 04 soundtrack because um, I'm pretty what was I think Stare at the Sun was on was on it and I played the hell out of Madden 04, the only Madden I've ever put any amount of time into, and I just remember like fucking loving that song and. They are one of the first bands that I like went out of my way to look up was was Thrice. It Yeah. I think that this one um really stuck out to me and like a perfect example of the era of like if you were trying to listen to that like third wave of emo as it started to cross over into metalcore. Yeah. Uh, this kind of nailed it for me. Yeah, it it's like this is kind of when like the post hardcore sound was like getting like a lot of bands were like hopping on that because I know they're like Thrice's first two albums were, were pretty punk heavy, like um, but and this, you know, it's funny because I remember this being like a commercial hit, like like these songs were on the radio, and it's funny because a lot of the songs that were singles were like songs you would expect to be singles in that time period. Like, Arsenal Ambulance, that's a great radio rock song. Um, Stare at the Sun. But then you have Paper Tigers. Or then you have Silhouette. You know, you have the opener, like Cold Cash and Cold Hearts. Like, those are not, like, radio-facing songs at all. And for a band that was popular, that was kind of as mainstream as like a band can get in 2003 for them to have kind of like a trap almost like here are these catchy radio rock songs and here's Dustin screaming about how um, it sucks that poor people are poor to start off his album and it just kind of carries through uh, all the way to the end um, it's one of the first times songs made me go huh and like really think about like you know because you know me being a kid you know music is just like it's just songs they're just songs they don't mean anything they're just they're just fun words put to music but dustin has a lot to say about a lot of things and that's a running theme throughout twice's entire career for the most part um so that was a big thing, but I also just really like how all these fucking songs sound. Like at, at its base level, this is a solid rock album, a solid um post hardcore album in spots. Um one of the first times that I um heard screaming in a song, because I heard this album before um I heard Slipknots. You know, one of the first times I ever went, Oh, I I I like this. And I, it made me want to find other bands like this. Uh, this was like pre-internet for me in a big way. So it was just kind of like watching MTV and hoping that they played something really good. Or like, you know, um, I forget the name of his show, but Jamie Josta had a show where he would play like, like, like hardcore music and shit and, and seeing like, oh, but maybe he'll play something that sounds like Thrice or... and. Yeah, this is was kind of like, you know, this and 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 Slipknot were two really like big turning points for me because I really wanted to 
find music. That sounded like this album and later like um, Slipknot's album. And whereas Slipknot was just the music is what kind of brought me to the dance, so to speak. Um, with Thrice, it was Dustin's lyrics. Like he has a lot of really great lyrics on his album. Um, I, like, and and you mentioned thematic, which in hindsight that makes a lot of sense because this is a very thematic album. But instead of it being like the entire album is thematic to one thing, every song is thematic to a certain degree, and like especially like like silhouette. Um, like Paper Tigers, like um, Melting Point of Wax. Uh, it, it, it's the first time an album, a collection of songs, really like made me sit down and like listen to uh, what was happening and like digest it, let it like sink its way in and come out of it with like different perspectives with different, different opinions and it became like um, every 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 artist that I am into now um, that I like lyrically, I uh, I'm I'm only as picky about them lyrically because of Thrice. Yeah, and that makes sense. And and you know, I, so a big project that I'm doing in the long term with this show is, as I mentioned, trying to catch the ebb and flow of how music like this developed. And it's cool seeing these hinge points, like in 2003, 2004, later on in like 2007, how you saw something new and you saw them develop something uh, from a previous influence that maybe doesn't translate directly. Um, but you can really hear a band like Thrice, you know, taking their influences from a lot of different places and melding it into one thing. And that, I think, is a major feat because a lot of the time you have bands that basically take like one thing from one band or one era and then just kind of do that, right? Like I've been listening to a lot of stoner metal lately. Right. And a lot of those bands, I love them very much, um, but they're basically just playing like the third Sabbath album over and over again. <laughs> yeah. If it ain't broke. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, it ain't broke, um, but it is fun hearing a band like Thrice take so many different influences and try to throw it all together in one one little pot and see what comes out. And a lot of the times it's a little chaotic, like you can't make out certain things on an album like this because it's all everything thrown together at the same time. Yeah. But I found that really exhilarating with this. Um, and I also found it exhilarating with the next one that I wanted to mention which is uh, Norma Jean's Oh God, The Aftermath. Oh, boy. Uh, now, this was this came out at, like, the same time, didn't it? Yeah, uh, a lot of these albums um, released um, not long after one another, uh, even though I would find them later. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got put on to Norma Jean in, like, 06, 07, because I, I had just moved to Nashville when I um I've been in Nashville for like almost a year um when I uh got put on to uh oh god the aftermath. But uh but yeah, yeah, pretty close together for sure. This was two thousand five. Yeah. It looks like. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the the middle aughts, I guess, were when you saw a distinctly new era of metalcore forming 
Uh, we talked about that with Every Time I Die and how they put out Gutter Phenomenon and then uh, The Big Dirty 2006, 2007, respectively, as kind of charting a little bit of a new thing for metalcore. Um, and I think that you saw that with Thrice and 03, that they were kind of ahead of the curve of a lot of bands. Uh, but then Norma Jean, you know, they're kind of like, I guess, the the poster children for that sound. Yes, definitely. Um, and I, they entered my life at a very interesting time because I had, uh, Harvey Katrina had just happened. Um, so I, I left New Orleans, ended up in, um, in Nashville and, um, spoiler alert, the next two, um, two, two picks on my list are Christian bands. And there is a reason for that. Uh, because I, I, I mean, I've always grown up in, in church for the most part. Um, so I got involved in another one when I moved to Nashville and um, met um, a guy who will become like my mentor. He still is. Uh, we're still very close. And we got to talk about music. And he kind of asked me what I was into. And I mentioned, oh, well, you know, I like Thrice. I like Slipknot and like Chevelle, other bands like that. And he was like, huh. He was like, uh, take these guys out. He just hands me the album, Oh God, The Aftermath. And I didn't tell me what it sounded like. So, you know, all he said was like, if you like Slipknot, you'll like them. I was like, okay. That's an interesting jump. Very, yeah. I Yeah, I could have ripped his head off for saying that. But he, he was like, yeah, if you like Slipknot, you'll like them. I mean, I do like them, <laughs> but I was not ready for this album when I first heard it. I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is like someone put music in a blender and still made you listen to it um but the more i listened to it the more i like peeled away from it um it just like a like a face hugger from alien it's like like latched onto me and it would not let go i kept on going back to it and before long um it, it became like a staple album of mine to listen to during a pretty tumultuous time in my life because uh you know, I just graduated high school. I was 17 years old uh, in a new state where I knew nobody aside from like a very small handful of people, the majority of them being my my family who was up here with me. So I really retreated into music in a, in a big way. And this album in particular just really allowed me to vent a lot of frustration and a lot of just like fear from like being in a new place. I like happened to like meet new people and I don't know, something about this album just really made all those emotions. It made me feel okay for having them. You know, it made me feel like I didn't have to yeah. um, just like deal with it. Like I was allowed to like be upset or, or be scared even. And, yeah, and, and, and this album, you know, in Corey's vocals and his lyrics really um, brought it out of me, especially in particular. I remember the first um, song from this album that made me go, oh, shit, was um, 
Dilemma Machine. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that one yeah. and... Um, oh, stuck out to me. Yeah, Dilemma Machine and um, Coffin Spire. Like that, like that little like double hit, like you could have like cracked my head open and that's all you would find is like those two tracks just like living in my head for like a year straight. Um, and, and because of that album, you know, I started... Like that album is how I made friends. Like, you know, like, you know, I would bring it up to people, you know, I would see like, you know, remember how it was normal to like go up to like people at a mall and start talking to them and they end up becoming your friends. Like, that's what it was like. And, you know, like telling people, hey, you should, if you, you should check out this band, Norma Jean. And like through that, you know, I made friends who would like take me to shows and, you know, through going to those shows, I would find other bands and like, or they would give me like, mix cds and that was like a big like push forward into me getting into heavy music um which is why i want what i picked was why i i i structured that list in the order that it is is because there's like a start point for it and an end point for it and like those five albums uh definitely uh, they are the bedrock for why I like what I like, uh, why I like what I like. But Norma Jean is probably the, the biggest, like, like straight up, um, like light bulb moment for me, um, in terms of what heavy music can do for you. In terms of like, even if you don't know how you feel there are certain albums, there are certain sounds that will help you realize what it is. And this was a big one for me at a very tumultuous time. Yeah. And I think that, um, I, one, I can see that for sure. I mean, this, this era was an era of highly emotional heavy music, um, that, you know, the mid aughts in, in um, where a lot of your albums fell, um, on the timeline, you know, this, that's, that's the era where the, that was really, uh, where the trend was going. And I think it's interesting that you say that, you know, this was the album that allowed you to access a lot of those negative emotions because you also have a Slipknot album on here <laughs> Yeah, and they are, they are a band that you pretty consistently hear their fans say that about them. Um, and really now that I'm looking at it, Really, I think you could say it's the same for pretty much every one of your picks. They are all bands and all of an era where people our age, roughly, because you're a little older than me, but like we're still within like a, a generational age yeah. together. Um, and like the, our generation, I think a lot of us found ourselves through bands like this and in this time that you, you really picked out uh, in the mid-aughts. So, you know, getting to probably one of the most uh emo bands that <laughs> oh, you chose big time good um, lord it's it is a, a myspace favorite it That's is right. a hot topic favorite uh it's plagues by devil wears prada this was a trip to see pop up <laughs> i like i mean this was myspace for me that like oh, yeah. i think of like the heyday of myspace for me 
and it is it sounds exactly like this album i um, definitely had you know, there are multiple songs on this album where you know i hadn't heard it in over 10 years and then i heard it and i was like oh i still know every word to this song yep mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> and i didn't even realize that i did it's an earworm i i had um hey john what's your name again that was my profile song for ever on my space when it came out um yeah our king of the ozone was mine oh yeah that's a great one uh you want to talk about hot topic shirts <laughs> never was proud i had that shit on a lot oh man i i had a reptile shirt big time um but uh yeah this this one i don't like this album um I I was familiar with Devil Was Prada because of Dear Love, a beautiful Discord. And I found that album through Norma Jean, pretty much, because a lot of bands that I liked were um they ran in they ran in the same circles. Like a band was either on Tooth and Nail Records or they were on Solid State Records. So um a lot of my um a lot of my music came from one of those two um, record labels, so I was going to find them eventually anyway. And I remember kind of writing off Dear Love, because I was like, well, I at that point, I had already heard Norma Jean, so this is just a not as like fun um, version of like, that album. Um, but this, this I think if I had to pinpoint what this album made me feel at the time I had heard it, I think this was when I like knew that like I was staying in Nashville, that I wasn't going back home. Like I had made friends, I had kind of established myself. Like like I was like coming into like you know I was eighteen. Like I I I was coming into myself. Um, and accepting that, like, okay, like, this, I can't really go back to, like, to New Orleans. I can't go back home, because, like, this is home now. And plagues, on top of just being, like, a solid, fun, like, um, time capsule of, like, metalcore music as it would become for a long time in the two, in the early 2000s, for me personally, it was just like I really come out of my shell in a big way around the time this album came out. Like I still had some growing to do, and I would eventually get there. But I took a lot of major leaps when around the time this album had come into my orbit. Um, and my Devil Wears Prada has remained. One of my favorite bands. I've seen them live a number of times. Um, like Goat on a Boat, hands down, one of my favorite intro tracks to an album, like period. Um, but yeah, th- this album, like I, I, I still get like very heavy nostalgia hits when I listen to it because, yeah, it's just uh. It's big. It's huge. Like I feel that like, we're a lot around now with, with bands. But yeah, this is a huge album just because a lot of metalcore acts were around at the time. But like, I I, I would go as far as to say that Devil Wears Prada was like the metalcore act 
of its time when that particular sound was like at its peak you had Devil Wears Prada and then it was everybody else pretty much yeah they were they were the reigning scene kings big time is how I would put it I mean you know you knew that you were getting with like the alpha of the scene girl pack when she was wearing a Devil Wears Prada shirt absolutely you know that was the the top tier baddie of the emo kids was when she had that one uh and i i think it's good that you mentioned that they are um they're sort of like the standard bearers of that sound in that era which a lot of people hate it's like a very much maligned era uh, for a lot of people it was um, it was interesting that's for sure look... it was very interesting um because you know like i said with thrice you had this like convalescence of of like metalcore which is an extremely serious hard-nosed like mean bitter sound really when you like when you really drill down to it it's an angry angry bitter sound uh and then you combine it with like a third wave of emo and it's it's like those two things shouldn't happen together i have no idea how they made them happen together but it's a really interesting time capsule um you know which is why i i like talking about this era and i like talking about deathcore and I like talking about new metal and other things that a lot of people hate, uh, <laughs> because it is crazy to think about how this came to be. Like, yeah. How the hell did this little alchemy work? Um, and there's such a, a great, like, like I said, like a time capsule uh, for that time period. And I think on a future show, I'm probably going to try to go back and like find a lot of bands from this era, this like hot topic scene era. Um, because I, I just think it's such a weird and interesting development in the genre. Yeah. So and really, I'm glad you picked this for a lot of reasons. And uh, I'll, I'll say this because um, I'm thinking about it now because, you know, we, we brought up Hot Topic a lot, um, like the Hot Topic sound, so to speak. And what's, what's really funny about, you know, like Devil Was Prada and to an extent, like, under oath, even, um, there are Christian bands, and like I, I listened to a lot of Christian bands in that time period, like Under Oath, um, fucking August Burns Red, like Haste the Day, like shit like that, um, and like Haste the Day, and like August Burns Red, like they kind of like had their 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 place in that but um i think it's very funny how a lot of like the bigger acts for lack of a better term of that time period were christian bands like like that crossover doesn't really happen much anymore like there aren't any like big like you know like 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 christian facing bands in the scene anymore um, the two biggest ones aren't even Christian bands anymore. Under Oath, not a Christian band anymore. Devil Wears Prada isn't a Christian band anymore. They're just they're just metalcore bands. So um, it's just funny how like I'm thinking like it's so funny in hindsight thinking about it. Like yeah, like I remember going to Hot Topic buying a Devil Wears Prada shirt, and I also remember people learning that Devil Wears Prada were a Christian band at their live shows 
because they would talk about it on stage. They weren't like preach or anything, but like they they wore their their faith on their sleeve, which I didn't bother me because at the time I was pretty entrenched in in faith at the time. Um, I hadn't quite shed that skin just yet. Um, but yeah, like and it wasn't until I got away from it that I uh, realized how many secular friends of mine were like big into these bands, um, which I think just speaks to the emotional side of it. And the emotional side of it being so broad that anybody can listen to it and like take something from it, um, which probably couldn't have happened if they had insisted on being this like box standard mean ass metalcore you know like, i don't think they would have reached the height that they did at that particular time with that particular audience had it been anything else and i just think it's funny that like a bunch of christian bands were the ones to really kind of like be at the forefront of that particular subsect of like metalcore music that like really reached you know, a lot of like, you know, emo kids who may have been kind of like over My Chemical Romance or something like that. You want something like with a bit more edge to it, for lack of a better term, you know? Yeah, I was, I was definitely one of those kids. You know, this was, this was more up my alley. And then as time went on, I graduated toward being on the deathcore end of the scene kid things. You know, I went from this to like, you know, um, Black Dahlia Murder or something. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm glad that you mentioned they're a Christian band because, like, this is probably the most, uh, like you said, like, the boon for the Christian bands. Like, Christian music was so much bigger. It's just that a lot of people didn't know it was Christian music. Mm -hmm. um, and also got to be the most successful evangelical propaganda for youth that has ever been. <laughs> oh, dude. I don't think they ever reached uh, teenagers the way they did in that era no like they uh like yeah jesus christ was putting up jordan numbers in the early 2000s like he had <laughs> he he had some shooters in the streets and they were successful oh my god but and they all had swoopy bangs all had swoopy bangs uh, and 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 checkered uh, belts <laughs> that's right oh god don't don't bring me back to that era so getting catfished by you know the swoopy bang girl <laughs> um, so uh to wrap up your picks uh we're still in the same era but i think this is a really interesting album you picked which is creature by within the ruins because it's very clearly aiming for that audience um the swoopy bang studded belt uh genre you know yeah but this band is like insanely technical like, yeah this is like I was listening to this and it could pass off in moments as like a tech death band um, of just being this incredibly jittery, incredibly musically demanding uh, album that really should not have come out of that scene at all. Which is, um, this is another um, Ryan joint. Ryan got me onto Within the Ruins uh, in the Tumblr days because he was great at just sharing what he was listening to into still does um yeah this album uh it's funny you mentioned how um you know like this came out of 
that same like ooze that like the Devil Wears Prada existed in, and and to an extent Norma Jean existed in, and um even though like this came out in what two thousand nine, um I think it was um after that I got into this because I was in the military when I first heard this album. I was in the military. I did not like it. Like, um, and that was, that was when I was on Tumblr the most was when I was in the service. Um, and you know, I remember seeing the cover art for the album and it looks a lot like the cover art to Plagues. A little it bit. Just like it's, I got him confused at first, I'll be honest. Yeah, it's very like, you know, like colorful and animated. Like, yeah, there's like a bunch of like creatures on it. So like, yeah, like this is like in my brain, like, this is my shit. This is gonna be my shit. It it became my shit, but good lord, the book of books hell of an introduction to this band. Um, I didn't know guitars could sound like that. Um, I was used to I like in my brain, like like I had the metalcore flow down to a science for the most part, because I listen to primarily metalcore bands. This is not a metalcore band. This is just like um I don't know what they classify themselves as. Like I, I've always just called them like a progressive deathcore band in my head. It's they're almost like progressive metalcore. Yeah. It's very strange. But why like they might be the only band that I would describe that way yeah but this album just kind of similarly to how um the norma jean and um devil was prada albums were very emblematic of how i was feeling at the time this was that for me because you know i i was in the military i was having an awful time i could not wait to be out of it and was just like dealing with the awful existence of being somewhere you don't want to be and you can't you have to wait it out you know you gotta like you gotta like be in the shit and mm. just make it until that time is done and you can leave it behind you and like right as I started to feel that way was when this album showed up um, thanks courtesy of my Tumblr dashboard because of Ryan at like 2 in the morning and, you know, I, I, I had never really listened to anything like this. Like, I wasn't really going out of my comfort zone anymore because I, I, I had my circle of bands that I liked and I stuck to that. Um, wasn't really looking for new stuff, but uh, cover art grabbed me, listened to it, and that album really, like, just brought out, once again a lot of emotions that needed to be out because they would have like suffocated me otherwise. Um, they've also been like a mainstay of mine. Like I, I love all of their, all their albums. Um, shout out to elite specifically. Um, yeah, what... I think that, you know, the way that you chose these is really interesting. Um, because a lot of them are just tied to the emotions that you're feeling at the time. And that, again, like, that's sort of the point of the show is to see, like, what brought you to this and why. And it seems like everybody's got a different answer for that. Yeah. Um, and it seems for you, it was a bit like for me when I was a kid, was that you felt sort of seen by this music, that you felt like 
you know, they feel what I feel, which means I'm not alone, which means it's okay. Exactly. Um, and I think that's, that's just a, a really powerful thing that music can do for everybody. But, you know, the fact that that's what got you started on this little journey for yourself as a fan, as a listener, um, that tells me exactly why you picked what you picked, because these are all albums just dripping with emotion to the point where it would be off-putting. I understand why it would be off-putting for some people, because it's yeah. just so, so on its sleeve, how, how these bands are feeling. I, I am glad that you brought that into this show, because a lot of people that I'm going to talk to probably don't have that same uh, relationship to the kind of music that they pick. Yeah, it... um. A lot of what I listen to now, um, like I, I guess my biggest criteria when I listen to a band that I've never heard of before, like when I'm getting into new music, is like, are they going to either make me feel something new, or are they going to put a soundtrack to something I'm already feeling, and give me a way to like work through that? Um, and on the more surface level of it. I just like song. I just like music that sounds big. I like music that that has a lot of theatrics to it. Like you said, I like grandeur. That's why I like Spirit Box so much. They are a very grand band, um, and uh, there's. I was listening to Spirit Box earlier. Yes, they fucking bang. Yeah. Yes, they are huge. They sound enormous. Yeah. Like. Um, so yeah, now now it's all kind of clicking for me now that I've seen you pick these of how they became one of your your favorite modern bands. So I see that now. Yeah, yeah. I I just like, you know, cause I, I I'm in my head a lot, so it's very nice. It's very nice when I can put a soundtrack to what's in my head and you know it's little things like that that uh gets you through the day and you, you, it's nice to like listen to an album from 2003 and like know like i remember what i was feeling when i first heard this song for the first time you know and and sometimes that's you know going back and like digging up you know old bones for lack of a better term is how you learn how to process stuff that you're going through today you know i'm i'm gonna be 35 at the end of the month you know i'm i'm old as shit sometimes i forget what it was like to be 15 16 17 years old you know it feels so long ago because it is but it feels further and these albums in particular just they just remind me where i was where i went where i am and every band that i listen to now when i find a new one like spirit box like like gray haven or um my friend jane put me on to this belgian rock band called brutus like everything that i find now is like okay music still exists this kind of music still exists to help me get to where i'm going where i'm going to be and uh, in like 10 years from now i'll probably have five more albums for like you know from from my 20s my early 30s that will explain you know 
how I got from point A to point B as a person. And I think that's what makes this kind of music for me so special and so important and such like a key part of like my musical diet, so to speak. It's like a lot of stuff is candy, but heavy music to me is like emotional fiber, so to speak. Um, it's important to stay regular with your emotions and this, uh, this helps in a big way, uh, for sure. And I, uh, that is a very poetic way to put it. And I, I think that's actually a good place to, to wrap because yeah, you nailed it. It's emotional fiber. That's what we're all here for. That's right. (laughs) This is the, you, 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 this is the smoothie that you drink when you're having indigestion exactly is you go and you listen to within the ruins apparently um not the worst thing to do but um (laughs) manny uh do you have anything going on or do you want to plug your twitter or anything like that before we wrap up for the day um i don't really have anything going on if you don't follow me on twitter i am on twitter just uh i'm at uh all-star batmanny um marcus has been on this podcast i've been on a few episodes of um, his podcast MCMF. So, if you didn't hate my voice, there's a few episodes about Spider Man you can go listen to that are a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, man, uh, I got nothing. Uh, when you told me you were doing this podcast, I was just like, I oh, hope he asked me to be on it because that'd be a lot of fun. So I'm glad you did. Uh, I think it's really cool. I'm excited to 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 listen to uh, you kind of like dig into the graveyard of musical history and it kind of teach me something because that's the whole point of podcast in my opinion is to learn something to somebody else that they don't know about so yeah i had a blast um i hope if anyone who's listening hasn't heard these albums before that you give them a shot and uh i hope you have music in your life that that just helps you understand who you are a little bit so that's that's important that's the name of the game that's right and uh with that i will say next week the plan is to have ryan who we have mentioned multiple times on this show uh come on and join me to talk about the development of everybody's least favorite genre deathcore oh. and by everybody i mean everybody except for me and ryan uh, i'm i'm very excited I've about already that done some research for this and uh, I think I'm, I'm most excited to, to put people onto the albums that I think were uh, formative for death, Deathcore because everybody knows the Bree Bree Deathcore stuff, but not a lot of people know where it came from. Right. So I'm very excited to get into that. So, hell yeah. Tune in next week for a great time talking about Deathcore. And I hope you enjoyed this week. Manny, thank you again. I hope to have you on again in the future. Absolutely.